0: Welcome to the latest Fistep podcast. Today I'll be talking to Fistep CEO Darren Ray um, about the mergers and acquisitions activity that we might be expecting in 2018. Um, a recent uh, report released by a major reinsurance broker that was written up in the Financial Times uh, said it expects cost cutting across the industry. Uh, as the reinsurance market strives to keep producing profits and that potentially might lead to more mergers and acquisition activity and that would be reflected across the corporate environment, uh, environment in 2018. So Darren, um, against that backdrop, um, what do you suggest that CIOs and IT leaders can be doing to, to help out?
1: Yeah, not just CIOs, the business as a, as a whole because M&A activity is best done um, uh, you know, as a group, as a, as a business unit. Um, rather than individual. Now the allure of mergers and acquisitions we all understand, it accelerates growth um, at a rate that's far higher than it could be achieved through organic growth. So mergers and acquisitions very popular and you're right Chris, in the reinsurance industry, you, know, you and I have been talking about this offline for you know, some time, talking about how that market is particularly um, ripe and will continue uh, during 2018. I'm You know, I'm sure there's a lot of organisations, some of whom uh, whom we're uh, working with um, at this time. right for M&A and possibly technology disruption as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Yeah, technology uh, disruption is probably going to be an aspect for another podcast um, in in that respect. So, the importance of... uh, for MA activity, uh, the two sides, you've got the buyer's side, they want to make sure that what they're buying, they know what they're buying, and uh, they know how they're going to get the most out of that uh, purchase and make it a, a good fit, their, clarif- uh, their criteria for what defines a good purchase and what they want to get out of it will obviously be something that they'll define themselves. On the other side, you've got the seller, um, and very often sellers want to make themselves attractive for purchase. Not always. Um, you know, some sellers are surprised by an approach or by a suitor, uh, mm-hmm. if you like. But very often, organisations want to prepare uh, for mergers and acquisitions activity, whether it be buyer or seller. And the framework that we're going to talk about today, um, and the necessity for a framework, really talks about and uh, and talks to uh, both sides of that uh, uh, that argument, if you like. So what
0: you're what you're effectively saying is that you need to go into the, the merger and acquisition, whatever you're the buyer or the seller, with a with a good a good plan, basically for the for the integration of both organisations.
1: Yeah, and you're always going to get. Organizations or people who are going to come along and say, Oh, well, we did the biggest MA activity ever and we did it with you know three minutes notice and you know we closed it within the so You're saying that they, some people wing it, in other words, I that I am really? uh, precisely saying that there are people out there who wing it and winging it can work, don't get me wrong. There are ways and means of uh, being successful in that way, but it's a question of what you consider to be successful. Are you actually getting most? Um, being the most efficient, you know, is winging it more efficient than actually having a plan? And I would well, argue that's not the case. You have, Chris, yeah, yeah, you've been very successful winning it. In fact, much of this article is based on uh, your approach to uh, uh, to life in general. i the trade market trademark, <laughs> so so, what's, so,
0: anyway, in terms of the um, integrating... Businesses, what is what is the value? Is there can you can you expect to get some a full value for integrating people and processes?
1: Yeah, I mean, so the value of um having of having the plan there um, is to ensure that are you recognising what the drivers are, what value you're looking to. Um, drive out and what um, what value you can expect to drive out whether that be you know through improving the processes whether that be centralizing the processes so only having one finance department one IT department rather than what's existing at the moment is you know two IT departments and two finance departments in two separate companies bringing them together you increase the size of um, you know um, those departments, if necessary, or keep them the same size if that's appropriate, um, and then you process twice as much business or you know, X amount more business through that uh, newly merged company. If you are a CEO, um, say, or a board who has, shall we
0: say, let's say, a fluid, sort of uh, you know, easygoing approach to MA, and you're, you're concerned that you know, too much planning is going to get in the way, what would you say to them? I mean, is it, can, can, did it have to be a long? Process or, no, not you know, at all. The, I mean, that's
1: part. Um, that's part and parcel of having a framework. Is that you? Um, your framework should be uh, proportionate or appropriate for the activity that you're undertaking. It shouldn't become bureaucratic. If you're doing a small acquisition, it's something you know small or simple in in terms of what you've done before. Your framework should be scaled appropriate to what the what and where the risks are. and what, where the value um, is in that process. So it shouldn't be overly burdensome in that respect. So it shouldn't get in the way. What it will do, though, is provide a structured way for you to do things and make sure the right people are involved at the right time on the right things and that actually you've got a way and means of tracking and improving your M&A activity over time. So in terms of... um you know, the risks that are
0: involved in the MA, obviously people are mainly eyeing up the opportunity here, but we have to expect that there are going to be some downside risks. What would you say are the key ones that people need to be looking out for in the modern sort of corporate environment?
1: Well, the, um, the key ones, I guess, are, are wrong fit, um, where you can't bring the two organisations together as you, as you planned or expected. You know, organisations are not um, jigsaw pieces from the same jigsaw. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes you have to do, or not sometimes, you always have to do work to bring those organisations together. What about
0: together. stuff like yeah, cyber security and information security? You know, well, those are
1: key aspects in terms of increased risks these days because organisations have to, as part of their due diligence, ensure that they're covering off things like. Um, you know, is the organisation in the process of having a data breach uh, that they didn't know about? You know, we had a real-life example of this um, re- relatively recently uh, with Yahoo. Obviously, mm. they were going through MA and a uh, um, it was, you know, demonstrated that the, the data breach that it had was, breaking, yeah right. it was significantly larger than, mm. uh, than it had been uh, previously. So things like that can, um, you know, can be in the works. Um, the buy purchasing organisation obviously needs to do the right level of due diligence to make sure that they know what they're buying. And what they're buying is a good fit, you know, so there's not security exposure, there's not data breaches in, um, in progress or about to occur, something like that. And that there's a good cultural fit and a good strategic fit. So you, you've got to bring together
0: a lot of different departments, don't you? You know, in this, uh, in LMA, DLT, finance, you know, operations, I guess, and IT, probably the market. Well, maybe not the marketing team, I don't know.
1: But, but um, so how, how do you sort of you know, integrate them into the process? So that's, um, that's the other aspect of a framework, is that a framework brings everyone together, puts them on the same page, lets them know... That's why you should have a framework. That's exactly why you should have a framework. So um, it brings everyone together, puts them on the same page. They know when they need to be involved. They know what they need to produce. They know when they need to produce it at what you know, stage. And, and also the downside of them not producing it. So they understand the value of what what their part in this process is. You know, if I don't deliver the due diligence report on the date um, that's been specified, mm-hmm. um, you know, perhaps the deal's not going to go ahead. And it may look like a really good deal from our perspective, but if we don't do the work and get the work completed by that period of time, um, then it's not going to go ahead. And that, that's you know, you know, the whole team down, the whole company down, if it's a good deal. Okay, that makes sense. So, so what should you know what should a framework include, for example? Well, there's a couple of characteristics it needs to include. Um, first of all, um, it needs to be scalable. So it needs to be um, that you can scale it up and scale it down. So you're using it for, um, you know, irrespective of whether the type of purchase that you're, uh, that you're making is a, a digital assets only, so a data acquisition only, or, you know, just the physical assets. You actually really only want the building or the, the, um, the, the machines that, uh, that a certain organization has. Um, if it's that kind of acquisition, it may be a simpler acquisition from some perspectives. Um, so your framework needs to be scalable in that way. Okay. Scale up um, to be able to cope with the major acquisitions, people, um, buildings, you know, different countries, different locations, mm. those kind of things. Um, but also scale down so it's only uh, physical or data assets um, too. It needs to be extensible so you can learn from the mistakes. I've never been, heard of that word. Extensible? No, no, no. no. Well, that's you learn something new every day. You're a very static kind of person. <laughs> You're not a very extensible person, <laughs> Chris. Obviously. No, <laughs> um, so, yeah, extensible. So, it um, basically means you can extend it. You can make it um, uh, grow the framework with lessons that have been learned. Um, switching pieces on or switching pieces off or new, adding new pieces in as as uh, as is appropriate. And the last. Um, uh, the last piece is um, appropriateness. So, um, again, uh, making it making sure that you're um, that you're able to have the organisation um, uh, both preparing itself for sale, um, so it's about being on the on the selling side, and also um, appropriate for doing um, being on the acquiring side too. So a good framework will help you operate on both sides of those, so preparing your business for sale and looking at, trying to look at it from an external perspective mm. and also um, being on the acquiring side and actually looking at that business from the outside and saying what's here, where's the value, is it going to fit, is it going to be the right fit for our organisation. Okay, and I suppose beyond, he, say say for example didn't know. you may go into
0: the mergers and acquisition process and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. Mm deal gets called off, but I suppose some of the things that you're talking about here apply to companies that aren't, uh, think considering merged and acquisition. For example, we talked about the reinsurance market, where which has suffered, you know, five years of basically insurance premiums that mm. are actually falling um, for various reasons due to capital influx or, or whatever. You know, cost reduction, uh, whether or not you go into a merger and acquisition, is going to be top of mind for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, what,
1: how, how, how do you help to create a framework in that? Well, that's um, so. Part of using our uh, acquisition governance framework to look at yourself as a, an external organisation would look at uh, look at you yeah. will help you identify some of those areas. Um, you know, for potential cost cutting. Now, um, you know, many organisations have looked at costs, and many of the organisations you're talking about, Chris, will have looked at cost and looked at ways of um, of cutting costs. Um, by looking at this through this lens or through mm. the acquisition governance framework lens, what it allows you to do is identify those areas and make those areas more prominent yeah. that are going to be attractive to an acquirer's uh, business. If that's your strategy, yeah. it may be that you're actually looking to be an acquirer and reduce your cost by increasing your volume. Mm. Yeah, yeah sure, So sure. it can be those, both sides. So depending on which which side of the fence that, um, you're, you're sitting on, whether you're looking to make yourself attractive to a suitor or whether you are the suitor looking for an attractive opportunity. Okay. And uh, there is a fifth step acquisition governance framework. Indeed. And how, how does that operate? Well, it's something that we put together over many, uh, many, many years. Um, something I started putting together um, uh, probably about 15 years ago uh, when I was doing a lot more uh, uh, acquisitions um, uh, you know, from the inside, uh, being the acquiring organisation, you've been um, involved. You've been involved in instance, some clients, but dozens of uh, absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, one, I won't mention the name, but one in particular, you've done dozens of um, uh, involved in M&A. So. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. helped.
1: Uh, we've helped uh, yeah, we've helped organisations of all size. Um, you know, both make themselves attractive um, for acquisition and be the uh, be the acquirer. So the framework is. It's well tested. Um, it's well proven, and it meets all of the criteria that we mentioned above. Um, you know, obviously, I wouldn't have spoken about those if it was going to yeah. meet those criteria. Sure. So, how does it begin? What's the you know, what? What kicks things off? There's a number of steps to it, as you'd uh, as you'd um, you know, expect. But you start with an initiation phase. That's where. Uh, You get everyone on the same page, this is where the target is, this is our objective for the target, you know, we're going to fully integrate them, we're going to partly integrate them, we're actually going to buy them, but we're going to leave them to, you know, sit on the sidelines and Mm -hmm. and run as a separate entity. You know, those are some of the models that organisations consider. Um, So you start with the initiation phase, getting everyone in there. You move on to the information collection phase, this is uh, the, you know, part of the due diligence phase uh, really where you're finding out the information, asking the questions, um, setting up data rooms and getting the data um, dumped in there and the documentation dumped in there so, so that uh, the team can assess and review yep. it. Um, next is the review and risk assessment, so you're reviewing the information, is it as you expected, is it as you were um, led to believe? Are uh, you know? Are the team actually going to hang around? If you're interested in the people, are the processes and the systems that they've said they've uh, developed as robust, robust, and you know, again, as advertised? Um, next stage, the fourth uh, step is to do the high-level design. So, how might that integration work? And this is a cross-business high-level design. This isn't something that's just done by IT or by finance or something like that. This is all the areas of the business saying, okay. Um, because we're aiming to fully integrate them, this is how that model might work. So IT will look at how the infrastructure is going to um, come together and the software is going to come together. Finance will look at how the entities, uh, entity structure is going to come together. Are they just mm. going to bring everyone into one, um, you know, one? Um, uh, one corporation, or are there going to be a number of corporations still, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be looking at that. Um, you know, in a reinsurance business, they'll be looking at okay, well, how are we going to structure this geographically? Are there tax benefits to this or that or the other, whatever it may be? All of those things are going to be part and parcel of the consideration. There is a, a pre-purchase aspect to this, isn't there? There is. Pre-purchase is the final, uh, the final stages of uh, preparation, and this is really where the due diligence has been done. Um, you know, the decision is being made that uh, the, the purchase is going to be made so there's the final planning stages and you know, the authorisations for um, the transformation spend to be approved and that's actually, you know, the next stage is then the purchase the purchase might, may in many cases be the shortest stage because it's, okay, we've got approval, we're moving ahead sometimes it can be regulatory constraints so mergers and acquisitions can sometimes come under regulatory Uh, scrutiny and things like that so that may um, stretch out the, the the purchase stage and may mean there's additional information that's required or mm-hmm. additional uh, processes that are under, uh, undertaken. I suppose yeah, a lot. Some of this would be you know
0: what the solvency to and you know capital cap, capital buffering all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and all yeah, of those I things. Mean, so you need to have a framework that deals
1: with the regulatory environment, don't you? Absolutely, cool yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's that all fits into that pre-purchase and purchase uh, mm-hmm. phase where you're working with the regulators, giving the regulators the right. Um, you know the right information, the right evidence. That you're actually the right organisation to be. Um, you know, that making could be automated if you were in somewhere, can it, or, or was that, is it a bit too complex for that? Uh, not, t- it's not typically automated in um, in the examples. Um, you know, in the organisations we've worked with. Um, you tend to have to work with individuals within the regulator to make sure that they're feeling comfortable and actually pulling out individual cases or individual examples or demonstrating projects that are being implemented in a in an appropriate and professional way yes. um, and demonstrating the progress over a number of months. Um, you know, so um, some organisations we've uh, worked with have um, been demonstrating that to you know the FCA for perhaps uh, 12 months before the FCA FCA will then take. The step back, and that's the Financial Conduct uh, Authority uh, for anyone understanding that acronym. So before the Finance Conduct Authority take that step back and say, actually, we're happy now, um, you know, you guys have done a good job. We do actually believe sure. that you're the right organisation, um, you know, to do this, and the deal is, you know, uh, fully approved um, at that stage. But the FCA have taken that step back and saying, yeah, we don't need to be involved. And this on to the purchase. Stay. No post so purchase. Um, purchase um, yeah, yeah um, you're then into the transition place, yeah. um, implementation. So all the plans you put in place at, um, earlier on in the high level designs uh, that you put together are then implemented. So you're starting to bring the organisation together. You're bringing uh, the teams together. You're uh, perhaps moving some individuals on if those people aren't going to be um, you're part of the longer term plans with that uh, yeah. with that new organisation. Uh, you're bringing computer systems together um, and um, uh, and security systems will all being brought together as well as part and parcel of that uh, brave new world. And then the final phase? Final phase is a transition to BAU. Um, many people forget uh, the transition to business as usual operations. Um, it's an absolutely key and, uh, and critical part um, that marks the end of, um, you know, of project phases, if you like. You're now moving from a project and now the project is handed over and the normal running of the organisation, the new organisation commences. It will commence in stages um, as it as it goes through, but the BAU stage is absolutely critical. Often missed off in big projects and programmes, and very very frequently uh, missed off of um, you know frameworks of this nature. In fact, I'll be honest, um, the fifth step uh, framework is the only one that I've seen um, that actually includes a BAU uh, transition to BAU stage. But it's a critical stage, I believe.
0: Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Well, it looks like we've got some interesting things to be looking forward to in two thousand and eighteen. Um, yeah, you know, it's the insurance or reinsurance market, banking, accountancy sector, I think we can expect to see retail. A huge amounts, retail, a huge amounts of change, and you know, especially as business models look like they're going to be changing quite significantly when you see the you know, the likes of digitisation and what that what that's going to do to to organisations and the way they operate. So. Uh, uh, thank you, Darren. I thought that was a very interesting um, way of just outlining the first step approach or framework to mergers and acquisition. Um, if anyone, any of our listeners are uh, interested in learning more about that framework, they can contact Darren directly. What's the best way of getting through to you, Darren? Um,
1: by email, Yeah, welcome to contact me by email. My email address is Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, dot W-R-A-Y, at fifthstep.com and it's all words, or one word uh, so fifthstep.com uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn um, very easily found, I'm searching from uh, for my name um, and obviously the Fifth Step uh, Twitter account is at Fifth Step um, if you tweet us there um, so, you've got a question about our acquisition governance framework, more than happy to um, engage via Twitter and uh, get that conversation underway.
0: Do you have, if you've written, the you've written a chapter on mergers and acquisition in your the CIO Navigator book that you wrote, haven't I mean, you? Or is that is it not included?
1: Yeah, it's um, yeah. There is information about um, uh, how to uh, prepare for those uh, those kind of challenges. Yes, for all of you
0: that know. Darren has actually written a couple of books in the last year, and then the CIO Navigator is uh, is published on, uh, on Amazon. So just go to Amazon, Amazon, type Darren's name or the CIO Navigator, and that that will pop up. And you'll get a lot more information. And there are many other chapters and all, all sorts of on IT leadership or the challenge of change, cyber resilience. Uh, and many other uh, subjects of interest,
1: yeah CIO navigator is really aimed at um, uh, two uh, two marketplaces really uh, those who want to be i t leaders um, and they're in that transition stage, but also those who are IT um, the i t leaders the The idea is the book uh, covers um, you know the the um, good and best practice around many different areas. so I really wrote it as the book that I could never find when I first became an i t leader and included all the or much of the experience that I gained um, during my career. I think you're downplaying it slightly. I mean, it's
0: also of interest to in the business as well. On that. I think if someone, someone who wants to, you know, understand how IT can impact on their, their business unit or department, probably, but well worth a read as well.
1: Well, these days, um, Chris, as you and I have spoken about in the past, I, uh, you know, I know I no longer really talk about the business and IT. Um, you know, business is. Business and IT have come together. and It's everyone's job to be understanding of um, IT and to be IT literate. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that when, you know, books and accounting first uh, became part, um, part, and part of doing business, um, you know, uh, you would have people talking about, oh, you, you know, what we need is uh, someone who's very budgetarily aware uh, you know, you can add up and things like that. It's now considered to just be a standard part of business, and it's my belief that we're transitioning away from those divides between, you know, the um, the alchemy of IT um, into IT and business becoming part and parcel of just one part of doing business.
0: Excellent. Well, good stuff. Thanks again, Darren, and look forward to uh, talking to our listeners for the next podcast. Thanks very so much, Chris.